some great imagery. Because <laughs> our player just watching the singer. <laughs> okay. Bastard ever going to shut up? Right. This, this is, is Metal Nerdery. Welcome back to the Metal Nerdery. <laughs> kind of continuing on with our thrash, uh, love of thrash. Our thrash journey, if you will. Do another Metal Nerdery album dive. A little bit of Forbidden, their first album, Forbidden Evil. That's a good show right there. Oh, what? Uh, hey guys, I, I just wanted to jump in and just say, uh, this is the Metal Nerdery album dive with Forbidden Evil. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going back to the couch. See you guys. Didn't take you long this time. God, every time. Anyway, you know what's funny about that? Looking at the cover of that, it, if if you were to draw, you know, parallels with politics, it's like it's like the left and the right are both evil and they're clashing together. That they are. That's just so metal. Two skulls crashing into each other and just like it's like one. It's like the blue one looks like the benevolent skull and the red one like is like the demon skull. That's uh, pretty. Uh, it's deep. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Philosophy metal, man. Get into it. <laughs> this was absolutely one of my favorite albums. Oh, yeah. I wore this one out, man. I think to me that when I first heard Forbidden, I think they sort of set the bar in terms of the next level of complexitude. I mean, their stuff was like way more technical and out there even than like, oh, yeah. like Testament, like the stuff that was coming right before it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff was, it had its technical elements, but it was, it was kind of more about just brutality. I don't know if brutality is the right word. It was just, but it was just more like, just about being in your face, fast, loud, you know, raw. And then kind of this sort of the second generation of metal, uh, the thrash, they kind of started upping the complexity of it. Yeah, it was just, it was so technical. Like if you go back and listen to it, I think this is kind of true really with thrash, even more so than other kinds of metal, but because there's always been like this weird progressive element to thrash. It's not like your typical metal. And because of that, even like the song structures, and like we were talking about before with Pantera, like the way things progressed over time, song structures change and things change. And the way Forbidden wrote was like a very, like they packed their songs with riffs. Oh yeah. Like I was listening, I think I was listening to something off of, might've been like tossed away or something, but it was just like, how many riffs are in this song? They're all awesome, but it's like, how much it's, that could be like four different songs if you were Gene Simmons, but it's like, wow, for forbidden, that's just unbelievable. Some of their, just riff wise, some of their songs had more notes in them than like solo. You know? Yeah. Well, like the riffs though, cause they were so complex and they weren't like your typical, just, you know, riding that E, but it was just like, acrobatics going on oh yeah and then you throw paul boss boss staff or is, is it both staff or boss staff i'm going with boss staff boss staff boss staff bro staff <laughs> his drumming is totally badass which actually goes back to the whole lockstep and thrash with the guitars and the drums forbidden took that to like a, a new crazy level oh yeah every single one of them are just ridiculous oh yeah but I, I think, and we were talking about this briefly before, about how Forbidden Evil seems a lot more, like with the solos and stuff, like real lead guitar, like, you know, the solos were just crazy all over that album. But then that was the time, too, the late 80s. That was just like, you know, how badass are you, son? Well, <laughs> I, there, the I can solos play 5,000 on... notes a second. How fast can you play? <laughs> 
Well, this is, that was the thing. The solos on this album were like kind of teetering on the edge of like just freaking losing it. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> like, it's like they were in a race car about to go off the track almost I in mean, certain just, parts, you know? Almost uh, like I mean, they liquid. were more Slayer solos were always like that, but theirs were definitely more structured than Slayer, but they had that element of like it could just go off the rails at any time. I mean, it's like they were just pushing it so hard. It was chaos, but it was like the way they pulled it off. It, it was, was structured like, chaos. Holy shit, yeah, how yeah. do you do that? systematic chaos yes <laughs> that was a dream theater plug the band that i helped influence this is g off tape from q2k back to you guys it's g off by the way not jeff yeah get it right um i think forbidden's one of those um like they're a, they're in my opinion underrated for sure oh yeah i was oh thinking God, that on the way dude. here i mean uh, they so fucking underrated they should have been they should have been a lot bigger than they were absolutely just, I think it's a conspiracy because it seems like every great band, especially a band like Forbidden, who should have been humongous. I mean, in my mind, they should have been because they were just amazing in every way. They should have been fucking huge. But something about Forbidden to me, it's like there's a certain element about their music and the way they write and their song content. It's almost like they're on a different path than a lot of the thrash guys were in the 80s and 90s. Almost like a like a weirdly righteous path. If you listen to their content, mm -hmm. there's a different angle that they're coming from. And it's, I don't want to say like hippie thrash metal, but in a way that's kind of the vibe I get from Forbidden. Huh. Like a different thinking. Hippie but it's like thrash metal. Yeah, hippie but like those bands two never. Two things I never thought about putting together. But those, but Peace, those love, kind of, and forbidden evil. <laughs> but those kind of bands never seem to, because people just don't get it. But it's like they're fucking awesome. Why aren't they? They should be. You know, in my mind, they should be a household name, and then I'd probably be one of those douchebags that's like, oh, man, they sold out, now I can't relate to them. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Forbidden was, they they were the, the kings, in my mind, of just being completely technical masters of what they did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, first album, you had Run that. yeah, I can't talk, Russ Anderson on vocals. Just drink more beer. Take another sip. Well, I'm drinking peach tea today, <gasps> so. Shame. Uh, I'll drink another sip. Thank you. Glenn, however you say that guy's last name on guitar. I'm going to take a shot at it. And Glenn, if I fuck it up, I'm sorry. I'm going to say either Alvileas or the French, which is Alvile. Okay, I'm done. And moving on from there, Craig Lassicero <laughs> on uh, guitar. His name's just fun to say. <laughs> Lassicero. Lassicero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, you got Matt Camacho on bass and uh, the Paul Bosta of Slayer on that drums. That guy is a monster. They're all monsters, man. Looks like it was produced by John Cunabretti and Doug Cobwell. I used to make uh, pasta with John Cunabretti back in uh, New York back in the day. Really, really good guy. Really, Millie? So, sorry, you guys. You snuck I'm, back in, didn't I'm, you? I'm hungry. I'll, I'll be back. I'm going to the couch. Cops is on. I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Uh, a guy named David Plank, assistant engineer, Chris Bellman, audio mastering it. Kent Matthew. 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 You should spell your name like that. <laughs> M-A-T-H-I-U. Matthew. It's like a stinky French cheese. Yeah, he did the he did the cover art for this one and uh, twisted into form, I think. That dude's a good artiste, I think. Uh, recorded in California, three different studios. Alpha and Omega Studio 245 and Prairie Sun Recording. It's interesting, Alfred and Omega. Released September 30th, 1988. I think it just said Alfred and Omega. No stupid Alpha and Omega. 1988. That was... 88. Would y'all say that was kind of like the pinnacle year for Thrash? I mean, 89 was still a good year too, but 
There was so much in 88. There was this. There was South of Heaven. There was Addresses for All. There was... Other stuff. I'm sure you could get There was uh, Frog Through the Park. I mean, 1988 was a crazy year. It was overkill. Under the influence. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Which one, man? If you say feel the fire, you're an idiot. Dumbass. Uh, Oddly enough, the uh, producer, John Cunab, Cuna Birdie, uh, C- I think. I, th- I think I said Cuna Birdie earlier, but I screwed. Millie, sh- shut up. Go back to the couch. We'll yeah. call you when we need you. Anyway, he started Jeez. his career playing drums for Eddie Money. Interesting. Oh, wow. But then uh, he went into the production side of things. Did a lot of punk metal alternative. He's worked on a lot of albums. Satriani, you know, I, th- I think I read, or well, I know the combat release of this got re-released, I think, through uh, Relativity later. And Satriani did some work. I think he was signed with Relativity, and John Cunaberti produced a lot of his early stuff. I think he's. Uh, I think he's still still working doing with him. Yeah, he's worked with George Lynch, Dead Kennedys, Possessed, Sammy Hagar, Chickenfoot, a lot of stuff. Chickenfoot make me hungry. <laughs> the uh, David Plank, who uh, engineered, also worked with Violence, Exodus, Joe Satriani, some other ones. Ah, the Violence League. I wonder if that came after this, considering that Rob Flynn co-wrote some songs in this album. Yeah, I think it did. You think? That would make sense. But uh, the guy that did the mastering, he's worked with a lot of people. Tom Petty, Yanni, Loudness, <laughs> Neil Young, Elton John. I think we all know. Rick James. Ro- Yanni's mustache produced all of his albums, <laughs> or mastered all of his albums. <laughs> And Rick James's cocaine produced all his. Thank you. Uh, some stuff with Megadeth, Poison, REM, Primus. Alan Holdsworth. For you guitar nerds, that's yeah. a that's a name to look for. Stevie Wonder, all kinds of stuff. I would love but, to uh, know. Like, I'd love to like see some kind of tour of like an album, like the the mixing and the mastering, like a kind of like when you go watch Donuts being made. It's like I want to watch an album being made like that and get like a play by play. This is the masterer. The masterer does this. This is the recorder. I know that's not their actual titles, but it'd just be cool. There is something to the studio experience. Eternal Nightmare. Eternal Nightmare. Oh, that was 1988. I always yeah. thought that song was so badass. Violets. Came out the month after. No, April. Well, so that Rob, was before. I wonder if those guys were like tight, like hung out a lot. Violence and Forbidden. I'm sure. I mean, they were all. I mean, if Rob Flynn helped write some of the Forbidden tunes, I mean, they had to have known each other. Uh, they were all part of the San Francisco scene. I mean, yeah, that's true. See? Hippie mm-hmm. metal guys. Hippie metal guys. Hippie thrash yeah. metalers. There you go. Hippie thrash. That's what Forbidden was. the opposite of hippie, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Rob, Flynn, uh, Rob Flynn of Violence wrote a few songs. I guess did some writing. The interesting thing is those particular songs he co-wrote, I can kind of hear it because I've heard you know, somehow he writes some violence and stuff, but specifically Chalice of Blood, Forbidden Evil, and uh, Vision Sucks, As Good As Dead. Because it seems like that whole album has like a heavier edge with the later Twisted and Deformed stuff. Like there's a real, it's like fucking real heavy, that album. Yeah, this this is one of my favorites, like I said, for sure. I can never not listen to this. Yeah, this album just... It never really let up. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of. It always puts me in a good mood, too. <laughs> I don't, because it's just, it's Even so technical. It's the, the sound is so good. The vocals are ridiculous. I mean, it just, <laughs> just well, is ridiculous. Well, because when you think back to that time, because I remember this being like in the days, you know, we were all in local bands when we were younger and we all had hair. But 
something about being able to like write music that technical and then play it in front of people and have people respond to it amazing and i was thinking all we could strive for was can we even be as good as these dudes are right yeah because they were so ridiculously technically proficient and they were so tight it's like how the fuck do they do it do you have to do like certain workouts to be like that awesome do do your hands have to like pick up five pound weights you know 20 times a day like probably walking around with those uh little grip master things you know squeezing (laughs) practice practice it's like your fingers have to be a cross between like kane roberts and some yoga instructor or something roberts (laughs) (laughs) at least he's not as much of a dick as ingve anyway (laughs) (laughs) moving on some people are just good at what the fuck they do that is true these guys these guys were it. it they were i think they were the best at it yeah because I don't yeah. think there was any other band in, in the 80s or 90s thrash scene that was as nearly as technically proficient. Just the other day I said, Alexa, please play Forbidden Evil by Forbidden. <laughs> she rocked it out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. She's a good girl. I always like Alexa. Mm-hmm. It comes right out of the gate with a chalice of blood. I mean, it's just and it just sticks in your head. Big time. Earworms you yeah. Oh, yeah. right in there. <laughs> <laughs> the earworms. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true that song just has that just almost like a i mean like right out of the gate like the drums hit you it's just like a like a smack to the face with a baseball bat it's like all right wake up here we go and then it's off to the races just everything about that song just the the rhythm the the riffs the riffs they came up with were ridiculous somewhere tony iomi's got to be beaming from ear to ear knowing that he had a hand on some level at that ultimately coming to be because they took their riffs and made them, I mean, just a level of complexity that not really many thrash bands got into before, I don't think. No, I kind of think in a way, they're one of those bands that never got as big as they should have gotten, but I think they influenced a lot of people. I, th- I think so. I think it's inevitable. I mean, it, as good as they were, I think they were almost like a metal band's metal band. Well, I mean, they definitely influenced us. So, I But mean, if you think about it, and we're completely unknown, so that you'll, you'll see how that works. <laughs> 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 but, if, but if you see how that works it's like sometimes you have you have artists that are very mainstream and very popular and they're influenced by those that aren't nearly as popular or mainstream and i think that could be the case with forbidden i don't think they were that big and they should obviously they should have been way fucking bigger than they were but i i don't think with that whole san francisco scene there's there's no way that their influence couldn't have rubbed off on bands that went on to become orders of magnitude bigger than they were it had to be so great to be there at that time with all those oh, bands yeah. Oh, yeah. i mean like in that scene oh yeah oh, yeah dude that would be insane <laughs> i mean i used to dream about that as a kid i was like man i want to do that for a living bro well we all did yeah and we could have but parents don't support dreams anyway <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> freaking idiot <laughs> get over that son yeah i'm but, almost dead now it's fine move on but yeah i mean to uh to be there during i mean because i mean every scene had their thrash i mean new york had their thrash scene and all yep. that and they put out a lot of good bands but just something about that san francisco area right. out there with all those bands just, because I wonder if Metallica somehow was like the birth of that. Like if them moving up to San Francisco kind of splintered and started, or if it was like already happening and they just joined it. I've all, now that we're talking about this, I kind of wondered if maybe that could have. Yeah, I don't know either, but it's hard to say. But mm-hmm. I mean, you had them, Exodus, Slayer, Death Angel. I mean, yeah. yeah, Death I'm, Angel. And, I'm sure it was all going on. And then you imagine just 
being a part of that local scene and yeah. getting get to, to see, see all those bands. Yeah, get to see all those Fuck bands yeah. all the time. Well, oh, like yeah. we saw, I guess we got a taste of that here. We we saw Death Angel Act Three tour and yeah, Forbidden Open. Yeah, it was bad. Man, that was a fucking oh, bad. killer. I never show. saw them live. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. They were like live. album brands. Oh yeah, oh, them and Death Angel. I bet. Yeah. Get this, Forbidden Open for Overkill back in 2010. Oh, nice. That was a killer show. Oh, I bet it was. That was like so badass. <laughs> And I was like, you know, he even asked, you know, Russ Anderson asked for tall voice, you know, how many people were here back when we came with Death Angel in 1990? And I, <laughs> me and a handful of people actually clapped. Yeah, it was like awesome. there were people that were still there. So awesome. support metal. It goes on forever. Absolutely. Who opened that show? Was it? There was another band. I think there were three bands. I think it was Overkill headlining and then Forbidden. No, I mean, uh, back in 90. Oh, was well, it no, it was wrong. I thought it was prong. I think I remember because I remember them walking out. Or was that show? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had to say Thank that. You. Excuse me. That makes Yummy. it okay. I think it was prong actually. Uh, what was the bass player's name of that? Troy. Troy Gregory. Well, Troy Gregory was, was in Flotsam and Jetsam, and then he went on to join Prong. Douche. Yeah, apparently <laughs> we met those guys after that Flotsam show. Oh, you did. That's yeah, another podcast. Sorry. Moving on. Yeah. Sorry, Troy. Off the edge. <laughs> That's an anti-suicide song, I think. At least that's my theory. That was always kind of a strange song to start because you never really heard a lot of songs in thrash anywhere with like kind of a thwonky sound and bass line like it started. Yeah, it was like a weird, almost kind of fretless bass sound or something. I don't know. But it was real like kind of gritty, like <laughs> it just kind of had this sort of trudging, like marching to your death. Okay. And then it starts... And you can kind of even see, like, you know, he starts singing about, all right, something's going on. And he's basically talking about, you know, kids killing themselves. And, of course, the music's badass, but it's like, you know, metal had to have a message back then. And Forbidden was like that. Every one of their songs had a message. And that one was clearly, don't step off the edge. <laughs> Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but for that song, I mean... Uh, any song on this album, Paul Boss steps to the top. He's one of those drummers. Just listening to him gives me a like a drum boner. I don't know if it's like a thing, but Check, only, only only musicians get that. You get like you just hear someone play. You're like, God damn, they're so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like you strive to be even just a fraction as awesome as they are. But but he was definitely that drummer because he made kind of everything else interesting, like the way the guitars blended with it. And even Matt Camacho was a bass player. He never gets talked about, but. To keep up with that rhythm section and that guitar section, oh yeah, you got to be a fucking monster. Yeah, Bostaff definitely a, a more interesting player than a than a lot of guys, oh, in yeah. my opinion. Because I mean, you could he was very non traditional. Yeah, he didn't just blast it out. He was moving stuff around, you know. But it, it had that weird kind of almost asymmetrical kind of thing. Because usually in thrash, you had that very sort of predictable. You know, kick, snare, kick, snare, one, two, one, two, or it was like double bass. But he was doing like all kinds of weird shit with cymbals and fills and very non-traditional kind of drum shit. But then it was like you'd marry that up with the guitars and it was just like this weird, like Forbidden had this other thing. It was all tight, man. It was like, it all worked out together, you know? It was almost like controlled insanity. It was very strange. It was just, it flowed, but it was like doing that. Badass for sure. Through eyes of glass. There was a time back when we were younger and had hair that we were going to try and do a cover of this song. And we were good until we got to the guitar solo. And then I was like, no, can't do it. (laughs) There's no way. That song is amazing all the way through. 
Especially the little glasses breaking at the end. Absolutely badass. And then you got the title track. Which, by the way, for a little metal nerdery factoid moment, Forbidden was actually called Forbidden Evil up until 1987, and then that's when they actually changed their name to simply Forbidden. So that was sort of... I guess that would have been one of those weird, goofy things, like where a band writes a song where they name-check themselves. That was one of those weird 80s, just goofy metal things where you would like, you know... Hello, we're Exciter, and this is our title track of our album and our band name, Exciter. <laughs> it's just, it just seems kind of hokey, you know? I mean, it is Exciter, what it Exciter, is. Exciter. I mean, I guess it's no more hokey than Cowboys from Hell by Pantera on an album called Cowboys from Hell, but it's just, I don't yeah, know. But the band's name's not. That's true. Cowboys from Hell. <laughs> <laughs> true. I'm glad they changed their name. I like Forbidden's just got a yeah. kind of more succinct kind of. Yes. It's far more seductive. I'm a, I'm a fan of short band names. Did you not it's think that name. had like a very Maiden kind of feel to it? That song specifically? I, it kind of had like a weird Seventh Son thing. I have to go back and listen, to be honest. Well, I think just the vibe of it, like the beginning with like the whole weird keyboard choral thing going on in the background and just kind of the progression. It just, it had like a, like if you could imagine Maiden doing like a, like a thrash version of maiden or like a techno thrash version of maiden that's what it kind of reminded me of yeah maiden on speed metal <laughs> yeah <laughs> metal that, that's on. probably pretty spot on yeah yeah because all the, the elements were there yeah. yeah yeah the talent of the band of course yeah on yeah. both bands yeah i mean on that level but that's just kind of the vibe i got especially with that song it just it screamed that yeah, Russ, I mean, Russ, was, Russ was hitting notes that, oh, uh, man. that bruce would he I mean, was a monster yeah. i mean bruce had you know, Bruce, one of the best singers in metal, period. I sure. mean, and had a great voice and all kinds of range, but he was never really like one of those guys that hit those Halford notes. Oh, man. You know? Yeah, and I know they had some kind of, uh, Forbidden definitely had a priest influence, because I know in that live at Dynamo, they did a cover of Victim of Changes. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, you've got to like a band enough to do a cover of them. So if you're going to do a priest cover, it's a pretty good one to do. Yeah. So they obviously had that influence, but, but there was nobody like Russ Anderson, man. I mean... In a weird, strange way, they were almost kind of like the Dream Theater of Thrash in a strange way. I know it sounds like that's something Matt would say, typical. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but I mean, just, but, but on the same token there, if, but if you you're giving it, them right? that kind of praise. Then. But I'm talking about even just like the structure and like with the power. Of, I mean, like Russ Anderson, I don't think there's any better front man in metal than Russ Anderson. Oh, man. He's the got dude's, some pipes. The dude's 15 feet tall. He's like this, <laughs> just this giant. He's not 15 feet tall. Don't be silly. He's this really big dude, but he's just got this powerful voice and this presence on stage. And it's just the rest of the band are these. Like, and he's a ginger. Yeah, and he's a ginger. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a freaking monster. And, and the rest of the band are like these just expert mechanics that can totally pull off anything out of whatever. Right. And it's like, how can that be anything but something progressive? Yeah. Yeah. So in that regard, you know, they definitely get that sort of. Dream Theater esque accolade, I guess. I have a feeling those guys were like asleep, thinking of riffs, and they just like woke up, opened their eyes, started playing guitar, record it, done. I think I think when you're (laughs) that badass, that's how it happens. It's just like, oh, how do you do that, man? I don't know. It just comes from nowhere. It's a gift. I read I read somewhere that Dimebag used to keep a little recorder in his room because he would do that. He would like wake up and he's like, oh, I got an idea. He'd record it like right then. Like how he'd always be walking around like with that little. Pocket amplifier, yeah, pig pig nose. Nose. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we diverge for a moment. It happens. It's time to march into fire. 
Another war-based song. That was one of the typical topics of most thrash metal in the 80s and 90s. War. Sure. Yeah. War and death and destruction. Nuclear. I called it pure thrash goodness. We all march at the fire. <laughs> I mean, that breakdown part is just absolutely sick. Because their breakdowns were, you know, all you young meddlers of today, if you go back and listen to Forbidden, their breakdowns weren't ever really like heavy kind of, you know, most metal breakdowns are like all trudgy, trudgy, okay. But theirs were almost like, kind of like we were talking about before with Pantera and uh, was it Clash with Reality, like that crazy or Shattered, like that crazy ending where it's just like thrash madness. Right. Like their breakdowns were like that. They were like a weird thrashy thing and not so much just like a heavy kind of thing. It was just, so the breakdown on March into Fire is just like, go! <laughs> just like running through the fields with swords and like, you know, armor and stuff. It's like, holy shit. But that that's the vibe of that song to me. And then, of course, the next one, Bill. Bill, no. I think that's probably another war-ish song. Didn't do quite as much for me, even though I do like that part. And it is badass. I mean, it, it, but it's just like compared to the rest of the songs, that's one of those kind of, I guess, like it falls under Adam's unpopular opinion of, eh. Mm. Still good, but oh, for me, that's like that's it. the eh. Oh, I like the it, album. Yeah. That's it, you're out, you're fired. <laughs> Thank you, good night. <laughs> uh, hey guys, since Matt's out, can I uh, can I join you guys? Now? No. Shut up, Billy. I'm on a tour break. Come on, I, I could really use the cash. Uh, whatever you can spare. All right, I'm going to the store, I'll be back in a little bit. Uh, as good as dead? As good as dead. That one was like solo heaven. For anybody that wants to know what the 80s were like, the 80s were all about how much guitar soloing and one guitarist. I was thinking that in like one as, sitting. As soon as Russ Anderson's mouth closed, it was like guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they tolerated it. Just long nailed enough. it. Yeah. You fucking nailed it. As soon as his mouth closed, you forget, dude. That's like the perfect analogy. Because as soon as you said that, I'm like, that's exactly right. Because I was listening to that song, I'm like. Is this a fucking instrumental with a few words thrown in? What is this? It's a, a badass song. Absolutely. But that puts a puts some puts a, some great imagery. There's a guitar player just watching the singer. Okay. Bastard ever gonna shut up. Right. Oh man. That's just what popped into my head. And then the last but not least, follow me, which Forbidden always had a very great gift at creating these really weird guitar lines that almost they were beautiful, but they were creepy as fuck. They did. They they yeah. They always. Do you kinda not think were, so? They, they kind of were able to bring the eerie. Yeah, and well, Cicero was real good at that. Yeah, like yeah. even stuff he wrote later. You know, he had a band later on called Man Made God, which was another band that should have been. Those guys were good. I, they were. Yeah, you let me hear some. Yeah, of that. we'll talk about that another time. Those guys were badass for sure, but. But, like, he would always just, you know, write these acoustic things that just, they were weird. They were kind of haunting, but they were beautiful, but they were just kind of almost creepy in a way. And that beginning intro lick on Follow Me kind of has that vibe to it. It's, like, very, it, it's just off enough to kind of make you sort of cringe a little. Like, that's cool and it's metal yeah. and all, but it seems a little evil. <laughs> but then as it goes on, of course, the song is, is totally cool, but <laughs> that middle part where... I think that little riffy part right before that laughter, that crazy sounds like the end of Ozzy at the end of crazy train laughter. I mean, that's just, yeah. that gave me chills the first time, even now when I listen to it, it's just so fucking weird. It's like, wait, was Russ Anderson possessed by a demon when he did that laugh? What is that? 
But I think that was a cool way to end that album. Yeah. Lots of riff tastiness in that. That's a great one. For sure. Necesito para mi casa. But they always, I don't know, to me, Forbidden just always had that different sort of, like there was something deeper to their music than other thrash bands for me. Just Maybe that's just the connection I made, but, but for me, that's that's the way I took it. Yeah, they had a, they seemed to have a little more serious kind of vibe. than Kind of, but it, not even serious, but it was like there was a deeper kind of that's meaning or message. At. Yeah, okay. <laughs> different words. We use different words. We're like a freaking thesaurus. <laughs> That a dinosaur. Oh. Hold on. He insists. Hey, hey guys, we're doing a two for metal nerdery album dive day. Uh, this is forbidden, twisted into form. And by the way, we're going to be playing Chili's tomorrow night in the parking lot. So, so come check us out. <laughs> parking lot show, Millie? Yeah, uh, Creator's got a show at Chili's it's tomorrow Chili's. night at 8 o'clock. So come, come see us. The sun will still be out. Uh, back, back to you guys. Every yeah, time. Just your uh, career's really on an uptick there, Millie. He's been working hard, guys. I mean, Chili's, Chili's parking lot show. I, I don't want to knock on him, but to be fair, Millie's been—he he does a lot, you know. And he, his pasta is fucking amazing. <laughs> but Matt, thank you so much. Just, dude, dude go get me a bowl. All so right. as as Millie uh, popped in and uh, announced, we're doing a uh, double dive of Forbidden. A double dive sounds like a double scoop of ice cream, which is perfect in this infernorous weather. You know, Forbidden twisted into form. Just the just the album. Let's let's talk about the album art for a minute because when I first saw this, it just had this weird, divinely alien demon kind of thing going on to it. I mean, it, it's cool fucking artwork for sure. But something about that album cover to me, just even like the the skulls crashing together on Forbidden Evil, something about the artwork on this just had like a deeper, darker. It's foreboding. Yeah, like something like something that wasn't really being addressed in metal to me. I mean, I'm sure it was, but. I guess it spoke to me differently. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. As, as we mentioned earlier, yeah, the same guy did the... Kent Matthew. M-A-T-H-I-U. Matthew. Yeah, cool artwork for sure. It's almost got a very... Uh, see the light at the top coming down the totem, and the totem looks more and more depressed and evil until it looks like a complete demon, and you got these little figures that are twisting into each other. Would they be forming? <laughs> Yes, they could be falling <laughs> into what I have no idea. Uh, There's yeah. Russ Anderson so, and his hair. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is pretty much it was the same lineup minus uh, Glenn uh, Alvile. Alvileus. Uh, they brought in Tim Calvert. That dude's a badass man. He went on to do Nevermore down yeah. the road, and yeah. he's a very kick-ass guitar player. Yeah, we saw him with Nevermore. Yeah, I think he had a. Did he have a Mason rig? I think he did. I don't know. I think Probably. everybody did back then. Probably some beer involved on yeah. my part. Uh, one thing I did find out: Death Angel did backing vocals on uh, "Out of Body" and uh, "Rest in Peace." Really? Uh, they were the Horde of Torment. Yeah, Death Angel's a way better, t- way better name than Horde of Torment. Sounds too much like Horror of Torment. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Although that's a great band name that's too. That's when the horrors come out. <laughs> Actually, that will be my. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to be opening Familiar Creator with the Horror of Torment. Yeah. Would that be a Chili's? Yeah. <laughs> Chili's is like our first warm-up show. <laughs> going downhill, folks. It's <laughs> like, so, man, you guys get the headline? Great thing about that, nowhere to really fall from there. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like our first gig outside at the rec room. Exactly. There you go. With yeah. uh, equipment We're, failure. Right there in the dirt. And, and let the record show. <laughs> 
for specificity that we were so well rehearsed and so tight. We did it with absolutely zero sound monitoring. Thank you. <laughs> Back to the show. March 30th, 1990. Yep. Wow. I wasn't even... See, that was my junior year, I guess. Yeah. Getting out of my junior year. Yeah, so I was still 15. But see, I never really heard, I didn't really hear about, like, I I bought the album Twisted into Form. It was like Christmas of 90, because I'd been hearing about it from other people. Like, I'd heard Forbidden Evil, probably, you know, when you guys were jamming Decimation back in the day, or like when we would jam in Ascension, but... Like here and there, you know, somebody would play it. I'm like, what, what is that? Because back then I was like a metal sponge, man. I had to oh, have yeah. anything new and exotic that I hadn't heard. And it was, it was oh, yeah, it's thrash. I need to hear it. Right. Because I knew about, you know, everybody knew about, you know, the Metallica and Thrax yeah. and Megadeth and Slayer. Yeah, everybody knew that. But then once you started getting into this, like the first time someone mentioned King Diamond to me, I was like, what's that? You're like, oh, he's a Satanist. He sounds like Jewish priest. I was like, cool, I got to check that out. <laughs> So you hear shit like that. Well, it was like that with Forbidden and with Twisted Into Form. Like, people had it, and I was hearing about it. And we saw that show at uh, Center Stage with uh, Death Angel and Forbidden, and I guess it was Prong opening. But I think we decided that. <laughs> but it was just like, to see them do it live, it was like, holy fuck, man, how do you guys do that? Because they yeah. were just like masters. Right. Yeah, there were certain bands. You know, most bands can't quite pull off what they do in a studio because... They're just in a controlled environment and more on, more, you know, focused in the studio. Or Let's be honest. Some know. people are just sloppy. I mean. Yeah. But. Sorry, Jimmy Page. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was just going to say. <laughs> but, but yeah, there are certain bands when you saw them live, it's like your like, dream theater. Well, sometimes Jane would. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Uh, Fate's Warning. Definitely. Don't forget about my band or my former band, Queensryche. This is G off Tate. Back to you guys. Right. Wrong. I thought it was reesh. Reesh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was wrong. Green's wrong. wrong. <laughs> Green's nope. That was one of the first cover songs I ever learned. Queen of the Reich. Oh, yeah? Queen's oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Queen's wrong. <laughs> Sorry about it. Oh, give me a minute. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, they had a different different producer on this one, Michael Rosen. Well, the production was a lot different on this one for sure. Very, yeah. it was a lot thicker and cleaner. Maybe even a little darker. I would say so. Michael Rosen. Uh, Hold on, it looks like Howie Weinberg uh, mastered that one as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. The guy, Cowboys. You guys got great taste, you guys. You thought this one was cleaner than uh, Forbidden Evil? Just, I think the guitar sound had a little bit more clarity, a little more really? depth, depth to it. Yeah. yeah. It had more depth, I would well, say. To me, the guitar sound, and I guess I'm, I almost want to be a little prejudiced about this and say that they did, in fact, play Mesa Boogie because the sound, I don't if, know. Well, if you listen you. to it, though, the way it sounded, it, it very much sounded like that. But that's their guitar sound on Twisted and Form was a lot, to me, it sounded a lot fuller and cleaner, I think. I mean, the first one was aggressive as hell, no doubt. I mean, that was a killer tone in the first one, but this oh, one yeah. just seemed more yeah. well-balanced to me. Well, the, Michael Rosen here, he produced uh, some Flotsman Jetsam, Vicious Rumors. Mm. Yeah, I thought that'd pique your interest. Interesting. Sadist, Testament, Mordred, and here's your Death Angel tie-in, The Organization. Ah. Uh, Mango Tango, DRI, More Violence, Tesla, Death Angel itself, uh, Laws Rocket. I need to I need to go back and listen to some Laws Rocket. You're speaking big of uh, some bands you never hear of anymore. Yeah, Laws Rocket, Annihilation Principle. 
Yeah, I remember you were big. I remember I'd hear them on wreckage, and I'd be like, "We need to check them out," and it just never happened. It was good. Shame on me. Good stuff. Good stuff. <coughs> uh, yeah, the guy that did the uh, album cover, he did stuff. A lot of metal bands: Artillery, Autopsy, Exodus. Remember Forced Entry? I remember Forced Entry. Heathen. I remember Heathen too. I, I wasn't crazy about. I think it was Breaking the Silence, but the next one, whichever one it was, I think it was like Hypnotized by the Masses or something like that. I'm sure I'm fucking up the album title, but that was a really cool one. Hold on. Let us consult the Google Nets <coughs> and let me open another beer. Can we do this on the air? Sure we can. Why not? Absolutely. <sighs> yeah, that's the one I remember. Victims of Deception. That's the one. Sorry about that. I think what I just quoted was the first track on it, which was actually really cool. Well, side note intro. The intro to that was, uh, I think it was James Jones. Not James Jones. Jim Jones. From the, uh, I didn't realize Paul Bailoff uh, went to sing. For, I did not. I guess I missed that. But anyway. Uh, yeah, recorded at Fantasy Studios, Berkeley, California. Berkeley. See? Hippie metal. There's another reference. <laughs> Y'all think it's a conspiracy, but I'm not hippies. kidding. Trying to take over the minds of... Mostly teenage boys back in the 80s. Through weed and angst, man. <laughs> weed and angst. <laughs> weed angst and lack of women. I have weed angst. <laughs> weed angst. Dude, man, how'd you get into metal? Oh, bro, I had a bad case of weed angst, and I just kind of fell into it, and now I don't have any more weed angst. I just love metal. Howie's done a lot of stuff. Your tone said you were going to say something the way you looked at me. I, I, it's gone, man. It's like you looked at me the same way that Millie does when you take the last ladle of spaghetti sauce. He's like, you know, hey. Don't, don't, don't. I don't know. We've already uh, thrown lots of love at Forbidden track listing. Started out with that nice little, as you mentioned earlier, that kind of uh, beginning, eerie sounding. Yeah, it had that very eerie kind of weird start. But you you know, I was thinking about, and this popped into my mind as soon as I heard that, because this album has a total of nine tracks. Two of the nine tracks are little acoustic interlude things, which are really cool in context. Sorry, that's my third one. It's it's the beer, but that would totally throw you need to off get him the a uh, kill button. <laughs> come on, it adds ambiance, but that totally throws off the whole ten track possibility because most most albums in the eighties kind of had like eight track, like four tracks on one side and four tracks on the other, or it was five on one side and five on the other, yeah, or some variation anywhere between eight and ten. Yeah, but I think the way they did it was tasteful. But sometimes thinking about that ten track guideline for an album. I, you can't help but feel a little cheated. I mean, everything on this album is completely messed, but it's, it's, and when you look at those things, it's like the Black Sabbath albums. Yeah, but well, they know, had, they, they have some longer tracks on here yeah. six minutes, seven minutes. Well, yeah, minutes. that goes back to the whole progressive component of it. I just thought it had that very haunting beginning to it. A lot of the 80s stuff kind of had that acoustic intro stuff like that, but Forbidden but, had a way to make it haunting. You know, it's funny you mentioned the length of the tracks, you know, as we were talking about before with, uh, Cowboys from Hell, mm-hmm. like on these, like it doesn't bother me at all. It's like, like you they, don't even notice they it. can just keep going. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, I'm <laughs> it's weird. You know, yeah. it's like you don't care. No, yeah. some bands halfway. Yeah. Big one. Sometimes Slayer songs are too short, especially on Rain and Blood. You know, it's just like oh, I want more of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Don't stop yeah. that riff. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Band that has long songs that I just don't get tired of. Yob. <laughs> yeah. Just because. Yeah, a nine-minute song is like a Yob speed metal song. <laughs> it's like the song, a nine-minute Yob song ends, and you're just like, no. <laughs> All 
already? <laughs> Dude, I was expecting at least another 19 minutes, man. You're cheating me, bro. You know, you got to like that sort of thing. I don't know. Have you ever heard Yob? No. You got to yeah. dig Yob. Yob is definitely a... Up uh, from the Northwest. They would be very suitable listening in the California, Colorado region. <laughs> hint. Hint. Good stuff. Got yeah. to see him a couple of years ago. Yeah. Play with uh, COC. I wish oh, I could have seen that show. It was, it was tasty. Yeah, I bet. It sounded like everything I've read about Mike Shine, I definitely want to definitely want to see them for sure. Freaking guitar tone, just speaking nice. of guitar tone. So after that little sweet acoustic haunting intro, it gets oh, yeah. into infinite. infinite. It just kicks in. In the tone, I mean, it's like you can tell right away in the production. It just had a meatier, fatter, more going on personality wise in the guitar department. Compared to Forbidden Evil, I mean, it was just like, holy shit, because they were throwing in some stuff that was kind of, hmm, where's this going? And then they get going, and it kind of has sort of that maidenish kind of galloping thing going. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. Just yeah. power. Just everything about it. The drums and the riffs and the vocals. It was like it was like a full-on assault, which was one of the greatest things about Thrash in general. But to me, Forbidden kind of almost elevated it because they right. took it to a different level. Yeah. I thought Forbidden Evil was a little more in your face. Than, no, I agree with that. Than this one? This one... More aggressive, for sure. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was like we said earlier, this one... A little bit more melodic type vibe. Probably not quite as straightforward. I mean, Forbidden kinda, Evil was really the straightforward. Slow the tempos down. Yeah, a yeah, bit. yeah. The tempo wasn't as because Forbidden Evil was pretty much like you know pull the string back and let it go, and it's like you know not string spring that makes way more sense. Yeah, like pull it back, let it go, and watch it go five thousand miles an hour just blistering across the sky. You know, but yeah. this one kind of it's like a little bit more dynamics, a little, little bit. bit more restrained. Yeah, almost yeah. like they were. Maybe trying to dial it back and maybe try to work on their songwriting a little bit more than just, you know, I'm going to stick an axe through your face. Like a little more control, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you can, I mean, you you got to see that. I mean, being their second album, it's like, all right, well, we've done this. Because any band would kind of do that. Like even Metallica, the way they kind of went from Kill 'em All being more straight ahead Rocky to, you know. Adrian! To being more like more of the metal components and more of their, what they became coming into Lightning. I think that's kind of what happened with them here because they still had a lot of those elements from Forbidden Evil, but then they kind of, Tim Calvert coming on kind of made it a little more melodic and a little more almost progressive and proggy in a way. Yeah. Versus Forbidden Evil because that album was very direct. It was very straightforward and in your face and just, you know, like a Jeff Tate right to the jaw. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that still hurts every time you talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, he died recently. Last uh, I year. I didn't realize that. April 30th, 2018. Let's hope he didn't die from drugs. Neoclassical. Well, he was an, an aviator, so. Uh, so he died in a crash, I guess. Wow, so he completely. Yeah, I didn't So he know got that. out of metal and got into aviation? Complications of amethyrotic lateral cirrhosis. That does not sound pleasant or good. Hmm. No, I had no it's idea. Only 52. Wow. Damn, it's not far. <gasps> Yeah, some years to go. And stuff with Nevermore was tasty. Oh yeah, everything he did was good. I mean, it was just riff. I mean, I think you could hear it in the riff. Don't you think more so than ever you could hear? Because I know Lucifero was kind of the dominant songwriter. I think Forbidden, but I think you could really hear Tim Calvert's edge over like Forbidden Evil. Yeah, there, there was a definite. Yeah, because it was almost Absolutely. like kind of pulling back that aggression a little bit. Because Forbidden Evil was way more aggressive as an album. Oh, yeah. I mean, just even the music. I mean, their music's badass anyway, but yeah. it was more straight-ahead aggression, and I think this one was way more 
pulled back just a smidge. Yeah. Yeah. I think you on your tape deck back when you got Forbidden Evil, you had to take play and just put kill over it push the button right. <laughs> non-stop Go. It, and the kill would indicate what would happen if you turn it off of play right. that's why it's called a kill switch don't know why i whispered that i don't either very it, dramatic but infinite was very very good you know what's funny on the cd version of that the cd by the way is an old uh, archaic technology but somehow i guess it screwed up the editing because on infinite when it the song ends it ends with russ anderson you know ah! Yeah, I can't do that high. You know, dogs will respond. And it, technically, that's the end of the song. And then the next song is Out of Body, Out of Mind. But the way they edited it, it's like the very first like measure of Out of Body, Out of Mind is the very ending of Infinite. Mm. So if you listen to the CD, maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe so. I mean, that was back when everybody was like, hey, man, let's screw around with the editing. This will screw people up, huh? But it was just, it was weird because it threw me off. I don't Speaking of Out of Body, that was a, that was a killer tune doozy of a track i remember for some reason when they played that live that just blew me away i think like the, the way the drums and the riffs were going because the riff was just the riffs in that song were insane they were so fucking good <laughs> well step by step too man that one was just a the motivational message a little bit of a barn burner i think, I think that might have been my first pit actually no oh, yeah? it's there at that show maybe I mean, for some reason that song stands out but yeah, that Seems was my like brother's first pit. And, uh, then I had to take him home to mom with a sprained ankle. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. He think, knew the risks. I remember walking through the door. We were carrying him. She's just looking like. He knew what he was getting into. He is not broken. You guys and your moshing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys be careful out there when you're moshing in the pit. Make sure to pick up the person in front of you. Don't fall over them. Twister in the form, I think, was the coolest intro. Just the way it came in. Just like that delay. No, yeah, yeah it, that was a good riff. Yeah, because it kind of almost fit that weird album cover art. Like it somehow kind of to me, like I, I listen to that spiral riff. effect kind of. Yeah, because you hear like if you listen to it in headphones, particularly it'll drive you crazy because you can hear it start over here. And just, jigga, 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 going on, but just the way it progresses and just everything's very very cool. And then you have the epic "Rest in Peace" or "Rip Russ, Russ in Peace." I don't know. I call that song "Rip." Rip. Hey Rip guys, uh, Forbidden's got a new song for y'all. This song's called Rip. We're going to play it here on 89.1, the barbecue. Take it away, guys. <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace. Peace is in one piece. No. Well, I guess you do rest in peace. No, rest in peace. I guess that would be considered like their, what, their environmental song. See? They have like higher purposes. We're singing about the environment. We're trying to save it through thrash. Saving the world through metal. Yeah. I mean, they're singing about environmental shit. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe thrash hippies are a thing. I think it's a very See, real possibility. I need to read more lyrics. I'm bad with lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I just it's like there's certain songs where I do know the lyrics too, and then but most music when I listen to it, it's like I know what the vocals are doing, but I just listen to them as another instrument, right. kind of in my head, like yeah. like another guitar. Another I've gotten bass. where I listen yeah. more to the the content because it's like they really stand out. I've tried to as I've gotten older. I'm with you. I'm. It's just all. It's just another rhythm yeah. going on. Right. And, yeah. and that's sad, kind of in a way, because I'm like, I've listened to all this music over my lifetime. And, but you can go back and rediscover it. I don't, I don't know what the hell it. any of it's about, really, you know? Right. Yeah. But you might go back and rediscover it if you listen to it. Like, holy shit, I didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, it was kind of like that with certain songs for me. There's stuff, it's like, I'll listen to stuff now that I gravitated to back, you know, then. And I may not have really known why I liked it back then, but it's like, I listen to it now, and it's like, holy shit, I totally identify with that. Like, the message. 
So then it's like I'm rediscovering it almost a second time. Mm. That's we were kind of talking about that earlier since we've started doing this and yeah. going back and listening to some of this. I've thought about that as I've gotten older in general. Go back, list stuff that, that got me fired up about metal in the beginning. Right. Going back, listening to it now, and you're like, you know, every once in a while, you're like, God, that sucked. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? But for the most part, but you know, usually. You, you, yeah, you, you'll go back, list the stuff with kind of more knowledge that you've gained over the years. Sure. Well, you listen then. to it in perspective. It's a whole different vibe. Right. You listen to it more because back then you were brand new. Everything was brand new. Like you said, it was a sponge. You were just yeah. soaking all this stuff in. And it was kicking ass. And now that you've got more time under your belt. Processing time. Yeah. yeah. And you can listen to things more analytically or whatever. You can kind of thinking about more what you're listening to than yeah. just reacting. And you're like, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, this stuff's badass. I think that's why so much of that stuff ages so well for me because it's oh, like yeah, yeah. I love the music and even like like the Pantera stuff before, it's like like I didn't even really think about a lot of the content of the vocals until I went back and listened to that for the album dive because I was like a lot of them are remembered. I mean some of them were more than obvious. Medicine man, hint, hint. Uh-huh. But I mean you know, a lot of the lyrics it's like they stood out a lot more as I've gotten older because now I listen to them through the the lens of perspective and it's like oh shit now i understand what he was talking about right but it's like that with all of it because i like you guys before i didn't really pay attention to content so much but then when something would speak to me and i go back and listen to it i'd be like it's a whole nother it's like rediscovering it a second time call us sentimental freaks it's just the way we look at music that's a little guys. gay but other than that <laughs> stop it don't not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Billiam, don't be an asshole to Matthew. He's right. trying his best. Just leave him alone. As long as it didn't move. <clears throat> it's fine. Continue on, you guys. God, this is worse. Where's that, Billy? Billy, honey, come Spiral. here. Come here a second. I want to show you something. I don't oh, know what's no, going on there. Billy, be careful, buddy. Check, please. To the next uh, get, interlude. Get away from me. What, what are you doing? Billy, oh, we're trying to do a show Y'all here. keep it over there. We're busy. Where uh, were we? Oh, Spiral, Spiral Depression. Depression. Yeah. That one, I think to me, that is like the pinnacle of the weird haunting guitar stuff because like the way it goes, like there's been, and this is no shit either. There's been times in my life, like when I've had like times that have been just really trying or <clears throat> I'm not getting choked up. I was just a little mucusy, but like times where I felt kind of bothered by something or down about something. And I'll literally hear that playing in my head. It's almost kind of like them. You know, the creepiness factor with them, like them starts off sounding kind of oh, yeah. sweet, yeah. innocent, nice, and then it kind of gets into this weird, creepy mode. Well, Spiral Depression does that. And it's like, for whatever reason, if I'm in that kind of place, it's like, that's what I hear in my head. It's like I can hear that playing back over and over and over. It's just, yeah. it's weird. The Cicero's in your brain, man. Yeah, he's earworming me. Hey, man, I'm all earworming that yeah. depression. They didn't, uh, later albums, they didn't really do those interludes did they no i don't think so i think that was more like your typical i mean there was a throwaway on omega wave called i think it's called chatter but i think that was kind of more to you know send a message of the conspiracy of bigger things but it was like one of those throwaway little intro shitty tracks that could have just been like no just blend that in, edit that into the song and shave it off by like 20 seconds you don't need a whole track Sorry, dickhead production Matt steps out. And then on to Tossed Away. But yeah, they got rid of the acoustic shit after that, I think. I don't think they ever did it again. I don't, I don't recall. But that was, that was 1990. I mean, that was kind of the thing. Yeah. We'll show you how good of instrumentalists we are. We can play acoustic grandpa's guitars too. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I like Tossed yeah. Away. I thought it was badass. Musically, I think that song had like one of the coolest breakdowns to it because they went back. 
Same with the riffs. It's like that. It's like that song. How many fucking riffs are going to be in one song? But that song's got that really cool like tear down in the middle, like before it goes into the solo and stuff. Tear down. I like that. Yeah. Sounds different than breakdown. Yeah. Tear I think down. it sounds more metal. Hey man, y'all ready to play the tear down part? Come on, y'all ready? We've been rehearsing all week. Let's play the tear down twice and go through it. All right, one, two, five, go. Yes, tossed away, and then uh, they ended up with uh, one foot in hell. I absolutely love that song. I, I think that might one. be my favorite one on the album. That's if I had to pick one. That song is just fucking so bad. Everything about just the. I mean, I don't think enough can be said about. Paul Bowstaff's drumming in terms of how it connects with the guitars because just all that together like that whole song and like that whole middle part in the middle or the middle part in the middle the metal in the middle hey man you know about that middle part in the middle right <laughs> you gonna get back to that that's the only part where it was metal in the middle <clears throat> wait what I think he's talking Over about the ends. if you go down to Cotlod Boulevard, there's a place in the <laughs> middle of the middle of the road, and, it, and you can't stand in the middle of the middle of the road. But anyway, it's on Cotlod Boulevard next to uh, Calgum, a great <laughs> place. Uh, Millie and them are playing there Wednesday. I'm back to you guys. That's a plug. In One Foot in Hell, that, that spoken word part in the middle where it just kind of builds up, and it's like the riff changes, and it kind of starts escalating and escalating and escalating, right. and then Russ Anderson's like talking about, you know, and I'm questioning the Lord's Prayer. Is this my final it's like he starts kind of freaking out and it's like he's talking and it's like it kind of builds to a, it's like holy shit i know exactly what he's talking about because everybody's felt like that and everybody's said those things and they've kind of and just the way they build the music it's like they build it up into this insanity that's just about to explode and you're like oh what's happening and it just they pull it off musically right it's genius i think absolutely but that's paul being a nerd it's why you see things i like it a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. After after this, they put out a few more albums that were awesome as well. Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit different. A little, uh, I dare say, heavier in a different way. Yeah, you know, a little I, more groovy. I think for sure we definitely need to get into that at some point because Forbidden in a strange way, and we were talking about this before. <laughs> granted, these two albums are they're kind of almost bookended for a reason. I think because they sort of not even bookended, but they're like a good companion album set. Kind of almost like the first Iron Maiden and then Killers. It's like they sort of show the progression and you kind of have to know where it started to understand later. Right. But for these two albums, like, because what they went into after this, like with Distortion and Green and even with uh, Omega Wave, way more heavy, man. I mean, mm. it was like they still kept the thrash elements for sure, but they brought like a whole level of aggression. Sorry, I was going to burp that out. Aggression to their al- their music. And it was... They, they changed in the 90s. They were awesome. They should have been way bigger than they were. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's our uh, love and adoration for Forbidden. The badassery uh, of Forbidden. Yeah, if, you've, uh, if you've never checked them out, you should absolutely do that and start at the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the double album dive. Thank you. Well, later. See you guys later. <laughs> this, this is, is Metal, 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 Metal. Metal.